I'm your host, Lillian Yang. And I'm your host, Fakri, and you are listening to Food Nonfiction. Today's topic is Ancient Egyptian Honey. The honeybee is the messenger of the gods. Like tears from the sun god Ra, the honeybees drop down, traveling towards earth to bring messages to the people. I first became interested in this topic when someone mentioned ancient Egyptian honey, which is interesting on its own. Then they mentioned that honey remains edible for thousands of years at least. Archaeologists have found pots of honey buried alongside Egyptian royals that were meant to accompany them into the afterlife. These pots of honey from thousands of years ago are still edible today. Honey was buried with royals because it was considered an offering that was good enough for the gods. And what was good enough for the gods was then good enough for the kings because the ancient Egyptians believed the royalty were direct descendants of the gods. People have been domesticating bees for thousands of years, and Egyptians were among the first. The honey trade was extremely important in ancient Egypt, and they transported their honey on barges along the Nile. When archaeologists uncovered a tomb of a chief supervisor of beekeepers, it was rich and lavish, showing the importance of his job and of beekeeping and honey in general to the ancient Egyptians. The region of Lower Egypt was incredibly fertile because of the flooding from the Nile, and it was likely the center of beekeeping in ancient Egypt. In fact, the honeybee hieroglyph was the symbol of that region. Archaeologists have found paintings and reliefs depicting beekeeping. These showed how honey was harvested, processed, and then stored. And these images range from about 2500 to 600 BCE. And the earliest of these images was found near modern-day Cairo in the ruins of the Sun Temple and dated to around 2500 BCE. Thanks to records and images of beekeeping made by the ancient Egyptians, we know a bit about their beekeeping techniques. The Egyptians made hives that were light and simple. They covered wicker baskets in clay and then baked these in the sun until they hardened. Because they were super light, they could be carried from one farm to the next to pollinate the fields. Hives were placed horizontally and stacked up to eight hives high, so they weren't stacked very high because the beekeepers still had to be able to reach those top hives. Beekeeper walls had up to 500 hives. Beekeepers worked behind the hives on the opposite side of the opening. They smoked the bees before removing the honeycomb from the back where they were safer from the bees. Should we say smoked the bees? Like, I know what we mean, like smoking them out, but it almost sounds like smoking, like to roast them. They smoked bees. You could look it up. Maybe it just does. Yeah, let me look up real quick. So, mm-hmm. there's two things. Yeah, it works by two ways. This is actually really interesting. So, bees assume that the smoke means there's a fire nearby and when they sense there's a fire nearby they start consuming the honey because they think they're going to have to leave their home and find a new place to live 
So kind of how Thanksgiving dinner works for us, they, they like gorge themselves on this honey. And then because they've gorged themselves on it, they get too full and they're like super lazy. So when the beekeeper comes in to grab the honeycombs, they're like, oh, Thanksgiving dinner, I can't move. No, but the smoke also masks bee pheromones. And since honeybees rely so heavily on bee pheromones, um, they can't communicate. And so when they think they're under attack and the alarm pheromone is released, it would agitate the entire hive. But since smoke gets rid of those pheromones, it just confuses them. And they just stay super calm because they can't really communicate with one another. So yeah, they smoked the bees, which actually just calms them down so they can get in there, grab the honeycombs without getting stung to death. That's important because judging from images of ancient Egyptian beekeeping, the beekeepers didn't wear protective gear. Once they had the honeycombs, they extracted the honey, then strained it, and then they would seal them in jars. So it has been suggested by some researchers that reed pipes were used to call queen bees. And so they would listen for the reply of the queen and then move them to a new hive in order to start a new colony. Honey was used as a sweetener, also as an offering to the gods and as a medicinal ingredient. Because the gods required so much honey as offerings, Priests kept their own hives within the temple grounds. Honey from the temple beehives were considered to have special healing abilities and were used to make medicine. Lots of papyrus records have been found that include medicinal recipes using honey. One of these records is the Hebert's papyrus, which is one of the oldest medicinal texts found in Egypt, and it dates to around 1550 BCE. According to the Hebert's papyrus, the cure for baldness is a mixture of ground red ochre, powdered alabaster, and honey. Um, Fakri, do you want to tell the listeners what they made the birth control out of? I actually had to reread this a few times to make sure that I saw it properly. But a common form of birth control in ancient Egypt consisted of soaking a thin cloth in a mixture of honey and get this powdered crocodile feces and then you would take that cloth that had been soaked in crocodile poop and honey and then you would insert it as a means of birth control to me you would think that just saying oh i need to go put in some crocodile feces would be enough to be like oh you know what i'm no longer in the mood the crocodile feces is the birth control by itself. Who needs the honey or inserting it? Egyptians didn't just keep bees for honey. They also used the beeswax, and they would use it in mummification, shipbuilding, and sometimes as a sort of hair gel for their wigs. So it's not really known when the Egyptians started domesticating bees or whether those techniques came from outside of Egypt. But beekeeping in Egypt might have started as early as 5000 BCE, according to some researchers. This is in part deduced by the fact that by 3100 BCE, bees were already important enough to be a part of the pharaoh's throne name. The title, King of Upper and Lower Egypt, 
comes from the title he slash she of the sedge and bee, the sedge being the symbol of Upper Egypt and the bee being the symbol of Lower Egypt. In her book, The World History of Beekeeping and Honey Hunting, Dr. Eva Crane proposed the idea that maybe beekeeping started in the Nile Delta in the pre-dynastic period, so that's before Upper and Lower Egypt were united. After Upper and Lower Egypt were united, beekeeping then spread throughout the land. Nowadays, there are still people in the Ivory Coast and Senegal that put honey onto the lips of newborn babies. This is to make sure the babies will grow up to be honest and never tell lies. The ancient Egyptians also saw that connection between honey and the truth. We'll leave you with this line, sweet is the truth. During festivals celebrating the god Thoth, who is the lord of books and learning, disciples of the god Thoth brought offerings of honey and greeted each other by saying, sweet is the truth. Sweets are truly my favorite. Yeah, that was the end. (laughs) That's good. Thackeray really likes the word Thoth. During festivals celebrating the god Thoth, I keep doing that, Thoth. (laughs) Both. That's right. Hey, food buffs. So if you like this episode, please remember to subscribe and leave us a review in iTunes. See you next week.